praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. I didn't hear that hallelujah is sick. Praise the Lord. If there is anyone here who has made a promise that it is our God he will serve, can I see you lift one hand? God bless you. Keep that hand there. Don't bring it down. Please put it there. Join the left one. Put the two together and clap for Jesus. Hallelujah. This morning, I am very privileged to be given the opportunity to speak to the people of God. Who were we for us to be called from the pit to the platform to speak to the people of God? We give thanks to God and the presbytery for this opportunity. Shall we please read from 2 Samuel chapter 9? From 1 to 11. Second Samuel chapter 9, 1 to 11. David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? The king asked. Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there still no one still alive in the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered, Please go up. Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machel, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machel, the son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth's, son, when Mephibosheth's son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore you I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given you I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, the grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Please proceed. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands him 
his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Amen. Shall we pray? Father Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to speak to your people. Holy Spirit, take control. Put my personality aside and speak directly to the people of God. Amen. Beloved, this morning, I speak to you a message that God has put on my heart and I've entitled it, The King Has Sent For You. The King Has Sent For You. Now, King Saul had been anointed by Samuel and everything was okay until he began to disobey God. So God sent the same Samuel to go and anoint David as well. And that brought enmity. Now, the enmity that Saul had for David was so strong that David had to run for his life. But the same place that David had enemies, God sent somebody from the household of the same enemy to become a friend of David. And that was Jonathan. Let us read from 1 Psalm chapter 20, the verses 13 to 15. 1 Samuel chapter 20, the verses 13 to 15. But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with Jonathan. Be it so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. May the Lord be with you, as he has been with my father. But show me unfailing kindness, like the Lord's kindness, as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off my, your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So, this is the son of Saul, the enemy of David, his son, Jonathan. Seeing that even though he's a prince, there is somebody the Lord has anointed. At the point, he had to leave his princehood and begin to show kindness to this David who was nobody. The key question I ask today is that when God elevates you somewhere, when God raises you somewhere, how do you treat the people who look like nobody? Because at a point in time, those are the same people that God uses to bless you. If you look at the passage we just read, he said, any time that my father plotted something against me, you, I will let you know so you run away. This was the prince. He had no business whatsoever. It was a Benjamite. And David was from Judah. If it was a tribal game, they are not related in any way. But the Lord opens Jonathan's eyes that one day, one day, even though I am supposed to be a prince, this man, God has anointed him. We are only waiting for the appointed time. And when that time comes, may he show me kindness. How do we treat the people when we get into positions of authority? 
When some of us get into privileged positions, that is where we show our powers. And we see people like cleaners, like taxi drivers, and the way we speak to them. I was in Kumasi about three months ago, and at the reception of one of the top hotels in that town, somebody said something to a receptionist, and I had to bow my head in shame. The lady was just dragging the bag of this visitor. Said, hey, hold on. When I sell that bag, I can pay all of you your salaries. May the Lord give us the grace and give us this eye opener and give us the heart of humility so that we'll be able to show kindness to people when they are nobody. And the reason why we need to do that is that that is the foundation of our Christian faith. That once upon a time, somebody who was up there, God in himself, sent his son, came down, died a very shameful death. And so when we get to the top, let us remember that time changes. May the Lord give us grace. Now, years after Jonathan had made David to make that pledge, that, hey, David, I can see that one day, one day, you must be of help to me. A time is coming where my whole lineage will be at your mercy. Promise me that when you get there, you will show God's kindness. And David said, yes, I will. Now, the story is fast-forwarded. In a battle of Gilboa, Saul, the father of Jonathan, and his sons had died in the battle of Gilboa. And everybody in Saul's family was dead. It was left with only one of his children called Mephibosheth. Jonathan had a son called Mephibosheth. And if you read 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. It says that Jonathan's son of Saul had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news of Saul and Jonathan's came from Jersey. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as he hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Jonathan, who had gone into agreement with David. And if you read, the Bible says that the love between the two of them was even stronger than that between a man and a woman. And that is quite strange. But we have people like that. Now years has come. In a battle at Mount Geboa, you have Saul and his sons, including Jonathan, killed. What this means is that to us as normal human beings, whole Allah, David is a king. But when David heard the news of the death of his friend, he wept. He wept for Saul and he wept for his, his friend Jonathan. Now, he has become the king. He has to be busy 
The king is now fighting the Edomites, the Amalekites, the Philistines, because there was a lot of battle to fight. And after he's finished conquering all those nations, one day maybe he was sitting in his porch and he remembered that covenant. And he asks, is there no one in the house of Saul that I may show mercy for Jonathan's sake? This morning, sometimes the challenges of life makes you feel like you have been forgotten. But it's not true. The time will come when the king will send for you. And in those difficult moments, that is when you need to be strong. For the challenges of life sometimes make we forget who we are. When that covenant was between David and Jonathan, Mephibosheth was not born. The same way when Christ died on the cross, you and I were not there. But let us always remember that there's a certain covenant on Calvary. That in the times of difficulties, the king will send for us because of Christ's sake. I didn't hear a big amen. So today the question is, is there anyone in the house of, in the house of, please put your name there, in the house of Ransford, that I may show kindness because of Christ's sake. Now when David remembered, I was reading my Bible and I was wondering, at that time, the people you made this promise to, they are dead and gone. Elder, Jonathan, Ewu. David could have forgotten. You see, in times of difficulties, your father is after my life. So if you tell, you, if I, you tell me to pledge anything, promise, I'll promise. But there's no need for David to remember. But you see, David himself was a product of grace. God remembered him when they were after his life. Who was David on the field to be able to kill Goliath? As Christians, we have to remember that there are people who help us in life. And when we get there, we need to remember that once upon a time when we were not lovely, once upon a time when we were not looking good, some people gave us food to eat. There's a saying that Nipe and Nikaye, and when I, see, when I hear that thing, I, I, it contradicts what the Bible says that we were created in the image and the likeness of God. Nyankupo on Kaya, so how come Nipe and There are people who have held other people's hands, brought them from villages, given them clothes to wear, washed them, taking them to places. Today, when they see the cause, they don't pick. And we give excuses. Mephibosheth was not just behind the, the palace. Mephibosheth was hidden somewhere in Lodabar. But there was a conscious effort by David to look for Mephibosheth. This morning, let me just appeal to your heart. If somebody has shown you kindness, if somebody has changed something around you and you have forgotten about that person, when we live here, today is 15th May, go and look for that person. That person may be in pain because they sacrificed for you. They gave you kindness. When you were nobody, they were there for you. And that is what David remembered. Now let's go back. Let's go back to. Let's go back to the, 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 
2 Samuel 9. Let's go back. Let us break it down one after the other. Mephibosheth was in Lodabar. Now you see, Lodabar, if you read biblical literature, it says that it's a place of no pasture. So once upon a time, there was a prince who had a son called Mephibosheth. There was a battle. The news had gone around that the father and the grandfather and the other uncles had been killed. So the nurse who was taking care of this five-year-old, out of fear, decided to escape with the baby. And he fell down. And he dropped. And he was lamed at both feet. The story applies to all of us. Because of one reason or the other, we might have dropped. Some time ago, we were doing well in our businesses. Some time ago, our marriage was a reference point. When we were in school, when you mentioned our names, people knew that, yes, we belong to the first three. But because of circumstances, we have dropped. But this morning, I'm here to announce to you that there is hope. I don't know what has crippled your legs. I don't know what has crippled your business. I don't know what is challenging your faith, but there is hope. Now, the Bible says that there was a five-year-old hidden in Lodabar, which is the eastern part of the Jordan. Far, far, far from Jerusalem. Now, let us break down who Mephibosheth is currently. Now, this is the former grandson of the king we are talking about. This is the son of the former prince we are talking about. This is somebody whose grandfather and father who were kings and princes had been killed. And he was living in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar means that a place that nothing good is happening. Lodabar meant a place that there is no pasture. There are times where the difficult situation make us go into hiding. Mephibosheth was hiding. Or Nana, he was hiding. And he had been forgotten. And it is even good he was forgotten. Because around that time, when David remembered him, any time that the monarchy changed hands, the king, the new king, would have to chase all the descendants of the old king and kill all of them. Even including those babies who were in the womb. So that one day they don't come back and fight for the throne. So Mephibosheth had to go into hiding. And the Bible says that he was not only hiding, he was crippled at both feet. What it means is that the former son of the prince had to be at the mercy of other people to send him to places. And it is not every place he could go to because he was hiding. Beloved, in our Christian journey, there are ups and downs. There are times where we have dropped. And because of that, our former position, people mock at us. I am sure if you went to Lodabar, people will be gossiping about the former prince's son who had come to the ghetto to stay there. Imagine you leave the Flastaff house and you go and stay in the dundrums and you go and stay in the ghettos. People will begin to point fingers at you. Let us project again. Now the king asks, is there, please proceed. 
He asks, where is he? The king asks. Ziba answered, he is, please go, go to verse 3. Go to verse 3. Go to verse 3. The king asks, is there no one still in the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered, there is still a son of Jonathan. And then he added, he is lame at the feet. In times of crisis, people identify us with the negatives. Yebisa was Sam Ziba. You will ask a simple question. Is there no one? So there is Mephibosheth. Do you have to ask? He's lame at the feet. What that means is that, beloved, he wanted to say that this kind of people, they can't come to Jerusalem. When I was young, my mother used to beat me. I never understood till I read this passage. When visitors came and then they asked, then I went to the missing Medigari, my mother would beat me. But I don't know what is wrong. I am just explaining what I have eaten. Because maybe Fufu is there so that they can bring some rice. Sometimes everybody is pointing at the negatives. Have you eaten? I say, yes, I've eaten Gary. That one, too, when the visitors go, must you beat me? Eh? I didn't understand. In the midst of challenges, sometimes we go into hiding. There are certain things nobody wants to hear. They have asked Uziba, is there anybody in the house of... So he said, oh, my is there. But he's lame, oh. He can't walk, oh. Maybe this is our story. All the positive things, they don't know. And you see, forgive Ziba. Ziba was not there when David was making that pledge to Jonathan. I am not who we are. So today, because of the challenges, we have been identified. Oh, I can't wait now. They say, we're failing the people sitting in But they don't know that on the cross, there has been a covenant. And one day, one day, even though we are lame, one day, one day, even though we are lame, one day, one day, even though we are lame, and we have been identified as lame, we cannot do much, but we have a covenant that one day the king will send for us. Let us continue. Why is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Machir, son of Amir in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, the house of Machir, son of Amir. Now, can you imagine when you have gone into hiding? You yourself, you are a fugitive. As you walk around, the day the king will see you, because you don't know about that covenant, all you know is that you are the last killer. The day Bloman will see you, it is your death that is coming. And when you are in hiding and you hear knock, and your whole dress will be stained. I am just imagining, picturing that knock at the door at Mephibosheth at Lodaba, that he has to go into hiding with his crippled feet and begin to see who is that. So the king has sent for you. That time the heart will drop. The heartbeat will stop. Because who am I? The king is sending for me. Am I not the one whose parents were killed? Am I not the one 
whom by now, if the king should find out. So finally, people have gone to gossip that I'm here. And I'm going to. I'm sure when he was leaving Lodaba, Obekrankov was Ebusia, Mekonama, maybe Oma, and no, no, no. He bowed down and paid Anna. And David said, Mephibosheth, said at your service. Whichever service is this, I don't know. But what it means is that he has prepared his mind that the worst is coming. And David said, don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid. Now this is David, who Jesus' lineage is linked to. And what does Jesus tell us? Don't be afraid. And David is repeating this, don't be afraid. I am still sure that Mephibosheth did not believe at this stage. Now, why did David tell Mephibosheth, don't be afraid? I think that fear, fear is a very powerful thing. Fear. One of the things that Christians must fear is fear. We must fear fear. Some time ago, I think two years ago, I had never gone to Achimota Forest before until we had to do some work there and I was there with some officers. That was when I saw how Christians are in fear. And I John, you buy the cane at a fee and you'll be beating the trees because the fear is that somebody is after you. Beat the hell out of that person. They were caning the devil in Achimota Forest. People had packed V8 and they were caning the devil. Educated people were caning the devil. Hey! Even when you have been invited from Lord Abba because of fear, I am sure if they had allowed that guy, he would have killed himself before getting to Jerusalem. Fear! And if other people are fearing, I don't care. But we Christians, when there's a covenant on our behalf, and because of that, you see a pregnant woman walking and then she has a sticker of a pastor on his tummy. Because that pastor is the one who is going to help her deliver safely. I saw a lady come out from a VIP and when they removed her thing, she had a baby behind. And I saw uh, the yellow jerrican, how do you call it? Those big, big gallons. Three! And I asked her, Madam, where are you going? She said, well, I'm coming from Kumase. So I said, So you bought this oil from Kumase? I said, No, it's not oil, though. I am quite sure. I nearly, I nearly took care of my car. You, you don't have work. God has blessed you with work. We've gone to pay consultation, 100 Ghana. Bought a gallon of water. 50 Ghana E times 3, 250. You could have started business with that. But because of fear, she had gone there to go and mommy pay consultation fee, buy water for protection. And sometimes I wonder with all humility, what has happened to our brain? Because that person you went to buy the water, he's walking around with bodyguards. 
guy is walking around with bodyguards, oh, and you have gone to buy water from him, calling it in Quencio. Beloved, if you belong into that category of people who fear, because of fear, even when nothing has happened, they are running. I had gone to study at Okonglo Hostel. I was coming back to campus and Lagos those days. And I saw some guys just running. Without any provocation of why they were running, I also started running. It was when I got to come out to Anamuz and I'm in Shempabua. Where my slippers had gone to, I didn't know. Tell somebody, God have mercy on us. We don't need to fear anything. Go to your hometown with pride. Please, let's continue. Christians, we must fear fear. Now he said, don't be afraid. David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore, please say, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather's soul. And you will always eat at my table. Please, those of us who understand a little bit of the English language, underline always. Always. It is not a one-day promise. I'm sure by now, Mephibosheth has started cooling his heart. Because now, he's realizing that, hey, so this man had a certain covenant with my father. And because of that, things that have been missing for three generations, from grandfather Saul, my father Jonathan, it is going to be restored all back to me. This is the beauty of Christ. This is the, the God we serve. That when all hope is lost, he's a God of restoration. Now let's continue. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Now you see, in the Jewish tradition, an animal they don't want to know about and hear about is dog. So when somebody says, a dog. It is enough embarrassment. And a dead dog. Ah. Now that is how we see ourselves. Because we were not there. And because we were not there. And we did not see. We did not hear what Christ did for us. We see ourselves as useless. But you see. When he said a, dog, a dead dog. So David will be saying in his head, you don't know what I know. You don't know where you are coming from. You don't know the price that was paid for you. In any case, let us analyze this. Why on earth should the people who said they were people, the soldiers, Saul and Jonathan, who were lions, lions in battle, they had died. So if you are living and you are a dog, is it not better? That is how come if you read the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 4. It says, anyone who is among you, among the living, has hope. Even a living dog is better than a dead lion. Beloved, this is our story. And we have every reason to think that we do not belong anywhere. We are not part. But the king has sent for us. I don't know what your Lord about is. 
I don't know what your circumstances is. I don't know how you call yourself. But when David called him son, he called himself servant. When David said, rise up, he said, I am a dead dog. Beloved, let us remember that the period in Lodabar is just temporary. Let us be mindful of how we call ourselves. I know that there are difficult times. The business is not going the way it used to be. The marriage is in difficulties. In that office, nobody likes me. What name are you beginning to call yourself? But any time that I see a situation like this, then I remember Job. What Job went through, eh, it makes me like that man. When I take my Bible, small time I go to Job. Small time I go to Job. I like that man. Now, this is somebody who had almost everything. And within a day, bam! Just like Mephibosheth, he dropped. And even the wife begins to say things that you should not even say to a husband. Because of the difficulties in the home, a wife is telling a husband, now you can't bear my Because now you don't go and come. Firstborn of a family. Now when the bolaka comes, the small children are there and you'll be called. Kwame, bolaka nabu. But in the midst of the difficulties, Job recounted all the difficulties and said, all my friends have even left me. When words come from my wife's mouth, I cannot even stand it. But when he finished saying all that, Job says this. In Job 19.25, he says that I know my Redeemer lives. It is okay you can recount all the difficulties and the shame, but always remember that our Redeemer lives. If the story was that when Jesus Christ died, he had not resurrected, then we'll be sad. Then we'll not have any hope. But that man is still not in the grave. So our problems will not continue to be down there. We'll rise up and be ourselves again. In the middle of the difficulties, Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. If you read Job 14, verse 7, he says that even a tree has more hope. If it is cut down, it will sprout again and grow new branches. This is the belief that we Christians must always have. That in the middle of the difficulties, it is well. God bless you, Aria. God bless you. 
Beloved, why should we come to the king? The king is calling us, why should we even come? It is because he wants to show us kindness. Now you see, I can just imagine this young man coming from Lodaba to Jerusalem. What was he thinking? Guilt. I don't belong there. What are they going to do to me? And you can see how he even, he even identified himself. Servant. Dead dog. But we must come to the king's table because he's going to adopt us. When we come to Christ, there's adoption. When he was calling himself servant, he was called a son. And look at this. He said, you will eat at my table for the rest of your life. It is not a one-day promise. And I love David so much when he did this. Because it forms the foundation of our Christian faith. That once upon a time, when we were nobody, we were remembered. The challenge I have with today's Christian is that when we get lifted from the pit to the palace, we keep quiet and we look down upon those who are there. And that is not proper. And I believe we need to go back and give hope. We need to tell them, if you read the book of Mark, chapter 5, there was a man who was possessed. He was a madman. He was living in the cemetery, cutting himself. Jesus showed him kindness. Jesus wanted to follow. He said, no, don't follow me. Go and tell people that once upon a time, we were not lovely. Once upon a time, we were not smelling good like this. Once upon a time, nobody wanted to associate with us. We were walking on the street, eating on the street, and doing everything on the street. But when the salvation comes to our home, he calls us saints. The challenge I have with us is that when we are elevated to a certain position, we let the position get into our head and we do not go down to give anybody hope. We need to tell that story. That once upon a time, a family of illiterate, somebody can come out from that family and become a president. It happens. When you are elevated from the prison to the palace, tell the story of hope to someone. Now, this young man comes to the table, and that is not a table for jokers. Joab was there. There were soldiers and warriors at that table. There were priests and other people at that table. And Solomon would be there. David's children would be there. Amsalom was a fine boy. He was also there. And then this man, Absalom, will have to come. When everybody is seated, then he will be coming. But the beauty of it is that immediately he sits at that table. The tablecloth covers his lameness. It covers our shame. And that is why we need to come to him. When we come to the king, we get protection. There's nothing good happening at Lodabar. Those of you who have lived in the ghettos before, it is a no man's land. Everybody does what he likes. But when you move from Lodabar to Jerusalem, there is protection. And the reason why it had delayed, there were other people who would have gone to look for him to kill him anyway. David had to kill all of them and get to a position where it is safe and bring him from Lodabar to the palace. At the king's table, there is restoration. I don't know what you have lost. Somebody promised you that marriage. 
You put in your all. See, some of the guys, may God forgive us. I was there one day, somebody came to my office, said she's causing trouble at the branch. And this is an indicate, oh, but I'm a funny team. We both joint account. She was there one day, the guy said, I'm traveling to work somewhere in Sunyane. She was going to marry another woman. The lady has lost her dignity, her money, everything. And what was painful, she tells me that it is her gown that she bought that was used for that wedding. When we come to the king's table, there is restoration. I'll read Luke chapter 14, verse 15. And then we end. I will go straight to 21 because of time. The servant returned and told his master what they said. His master was feared and said, Go quickly to the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. This was a man who had organized a party. He sent for people. Somebody said, oh, me, I am busy. I need to attend to, I just got married. It is in the Bible, when you go read it. Somebody said, I bought a new donkey. I can't come for the party. When the servant came, then he instructed them, don't worry, go to the streets. Go and invite the sinful. Go and invite the cripple. Go and invite the, goodness, the list is long. Those guys are hungry. We are hungry on the streets. And somebody found us and said, you don't qualify for this party, but come to the party. That is a message of hope. The king will send for you. I don't know what your challenge is. I don't know what has dropped you. I don't know how you feel that you don't belong anywhere. You are so sinful. Your love for Christ has come down. That marriage is at the verge of collapse. Your children are going wayward. This morning I came to talk to you about one man. Who, when we were not loved by anybody, he loved us. And he made a certain covenant on the cross of Calvary. This morning, you are being called upon to leave Lodabai and come to Jerusalem. Because there's nothing good there. And may the Lord give us grace on that journey to Jerusalem. Amen.